If you like to whistle while you work, well then, you're in luck. You found us. Just whistle while you work. And cheerfully This is the Mousecapades Radio Network. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee, and we are so happy that you're joining us. We hope that you are all safe and happy and healthy, and if your state or country is one of those that is now easing the people back out onto the streets, I hope that you are using safety measures and not going crazy because you've been cooped up for so long. Please, we want you to stay safe. This is episode 511, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Today, we are going to be sharing part two of fascinating facts and backstories of some of your favorite Disney animations. But before we get started, we want to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. So we know many of you are probably well-versed in Disney history and know that what ends up on a big screen usually evolves significantly over time to the point and that many times the fairy tale ending we see is has a much darker origin, which of course would make Nick very happy because he loves to hear the dark and mysterious things about Disney. We hope that you find our discussion to be interesting and intriguing as Mr. Brad did. So our first film that we're going to be talking about today is Cinderella. So most everybody, I think, knows the story of Cinderella. It's pretty widely known, even if you're not a Disney fan. And it's a folktale that embodies unjust oppression and triumphant reward. Pretty heavy topics for a cartoon. That you, that you share with children. Yes. The protagonist is a young woman living in forsaken circumstances that are suddenly changed to remarkable fortune. Um, Most people know about the fairy godmother that brings her good fortune and then, yay, happily ever after, the original. The original Disney version. Yes, true. There are thousands of variants of the story known throughout the world with the earliest known reference occurring between 7 BC and AD 23. Yeah, I, I took a lot of classes and still can't tell you when that is. Well, um, I'll explain to you later. Now is not the time to okay. explain that. It tells of a Greek slave girl who marries the king of Egypt. And the Chinese version appears later around AD 860. And then European version appears in 1634. I know that one. With the English-speaking <laughs> version appearing in 1697. Wow, that took a long time. It is a later version that is eventually published by the Brothers Grimm in their folktale collection in 1812 that provides the inspiration for the Disney movie adaptation. So what's interesting to me, I'm going to stop you for just a second when you're going over the history of it, but it evolved over a thousand years, like over a thousand years time it took for this movie or for this story to evolve. Yes. Think about that because I'm pretty sure, I mean, other than the Bible, I'm not sure what other stories. Yeah. I think it's interesting. That's true. I'm sure there are others, but not as widely known. Maybe so. Uh, The word Cinderella has come to mean one whose attributes were unrecognized, one who unexpectedly achieves recognition or success after a period of obscurity and neglect. And the still popular story of Cinderella continues to influence popular culture internationally, lending plot elements and allusions to a wide variety of media. So here are some little known facts about the Walt Disney film Cinderella. In some of the versions of the tale, the glass slipper is made of other material besides glass. For example, it's gold in the Brothers Grimm version, and in others, it's a different object altogether, such as an anklet, a ring, or a bracelet. 
But in all cases, it is the object or thing that gives the prince the clue to Cinderella's identity. Now, Kaylee, I don't know if you remember this or even if we did this when you were in second grade because I was not teaching second grade at the time. But we there are several Cinderella versions. There's an Asian version. There's an African-American version. There is, I'm trying to think of all of them. Well, the Chinese version, though, she has a, a special fish. It's not a shoe, but it's a magic fish. And oh. I was trying to think all of them. I, but, but this is not them, ringing bells for me. They They all have their own little special thing and it's interesting that could be a whole episode on just the different things that Cinderella is but there are several different versions and I guess I know why now based on how long they took to pass the story down so Cinderella is another prime example of how Disney chose to transform many of darker aspects of the original story to be a light-hearted easier consumption for children and parents obviously because there's some crazy stuff while it's true that the evil stepsisters and her stepmother are cruel and mean, you won't find the following brothers' grim elements in the Disney version. So Cinderella doesn't really have a fairy godmother. She plants a tree by her mother's grave and prays under the tree every day. And under the tree is where Cinderella finds her dresses to wear each ball. There are three of them in the story instead of just the one that we see in the children's movie that was put out by Disney. So I will say I knew some of these things already because if... Especially because Disney has an adaptation now of Into the Woods, which the Cinderella fairy tale is represented far more true to the original version in Into the Woods than it is in Disney's Cinderella. So I think I knew a lot of this stuff. And I think if some of our listeners are fans of Into the Woods, they will recognize some of this stuff. But even Into the Woods left out some of it because it was so gruesome. So one of Cinderella's evil stepsisters cuts off her toes so that her foot can fit into the slipper, which that is featured in Into the Woods. Just they make it comedic instead of gruesome. Right. I do remember that Um, when you guys did the play. And not to be outdone, the other evil stepsister cuts off her heel so that her foot can fit into the slipper. And that's even in some of the songs from Into the Woods. They sing about their heels and their toes getting cut off. The prince is notified by little doves for the reason behind the blood he finds on the slipper. So this eventually leads him to discover that the true owner is Cinderella. I wonder, so can everybody in the Cinderella universe just, like, understand animals? <laughs> like, because Cinderella does. <laughs> and so the prince can't do now. Is this just, like, it's the alternate universe? Yes. Uh, once the stepsisters realize that they should try to win favor with Cinderella, they attend her wedding only to have their eyes pecked out by birds. And did they deserve it? Yes. Um, but it's still a dark consequence that's a little much for the Disney brand. And they did put this in Into the Woods. They just don't show it. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> and have you ever heard of the Cinderella complex? Because it's real. Although not officially recognized as a psychological disorder, the term was coined in 1981 by Colette Downing, who wrote the Cinderella complex, Women's Hidden Fear of Independence. And picture it, poor Cinderella stuck cooking and cleaning for her stepmother and stepsisters while they're off having a blast at a ball. A person, typically a woman, with the Cinderella complex is very dependent on men for emotional and financial purposes. And the the complex can also be characterized by one's desire to be swept off her feet and saved by a Prince Charming. And all of these elements combine to form the premise behind the Cinderella complex. Well, I don't have this. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. That is about the time, I guess, that feminism, I don't know when it started, so uh, listeners, please don't shoot me if you do, but I know that's about the time I remember my grandma being, like, she realized that she was a woman and she had rights too. Up until that point, I'm not saying that she didn't think she had rights because she always thought she had rights. She's 
she said she was the queen and when she died you would be the queen and so i totally get that part but i swear this book was written it's not my teacher was not colette downing but i had a literary teacher in college for elementary and she talked just like this lady like everything was against women there was a whole like um this is not disney so i apologize but i'm gonna go for a second because it makes sense so richard scary books I had this whole book that taught about transportation and, and different jobs and stuff when, when I was little. Never once did I think, oh, there's no women in this. I think so I now. can't. So I can't, I can't read this book because it has no women in it. That's just wrong. And so, well, that's because that's how your generation was raised. So she wrote the company and got a big petition together and they republished while we were in college. They were republishing the Richard Scary books to make sure that not only did they have women, but then they made sure that they had ethnicity, too, because I guess they were trying to avoid a future lawsuit. So, yeah, I think that that was the time. So it makes sense. But I don't really I don't really believe the Cinderella complex. Totally I think it's I believe in the financial part. Oh, of it. yeah. And there are I still think, people that do I that. I think emotional is strange. Like I would not depend on somebody else for emotion. Well, and I feel like there are. I don't know too many of them, and I know your friend, your small friend group is very strong, so the, I don't think that that's what they're searching for. Of course, you hope to have a Prince yeah, Charming. Yeah, because we but, all have talked about that recently, that my close friends from high school, we all just like have a lot going for us, like getting jobs and going to med school and getting two degrees. Like We're more focused on that than finding, at least I am. The moment when the fairy godmother transforms Cinderella's torn dress into a beautiful gown fit for a princess is said to be Walt Disney's favorite piece of animation ever. It was drawn by Mark Davis, one of Disney's so-called nine old men. The next movie that we're going to talk about is Lady and the Tramp. So let me give you a little background on Lady of the Tramp. It was released in 1955. Lady and the Tramp was inspired by a real dog named Lady. And in 1937, Disney writer Joe Grant showed Walt Disney some sketches he had done of his Springer Spaniel Lady. Now, I want you to listen to that for a second because that movie did not come out till 1955, but the writer showed it to Walt way back in 1937. Walt was impressed and he encouraged Joe to create a full storyboard like her fictional counterpart. The real life lady was learning how to deal with her owners, a new baby, so that served as the main inspiration for the story's plot. And in the end, though, Walt wasn't thrilled with the storyline and the idea was scrapped. So several years later, Disney came across the story again, titled Happy Dan the Cynical Dog, and he thought the Grant story would be improved if Lady fell in love with a cynical dog character like the one in Green Story. And so he bought the rights to it. And the end result concept was a combination of both Grant's original pitch that he told about Lady in addition to Green's later storyline. And the cynical dog had various names while they were developing it, including the names Homer, Rags, Bozo, before it ever was named Tramp. And holy cow, what a different story title that would be. Lady and Homer... I, when I when I hear something and I know it's perfect, yeah. then it's hard for me to switch back. Little known facts about this film. Um, the opening sequence in which Darling unwraps a hat box on Christmas morning and finds Lady inside is inspired by an incident when Walt Disney presented his wife, Lily, with a chow puppy as a gift in a hat box to make up for having previously forgotten a dinner date with her. <laughs> that is a big gift for missing a date. Well, that's another thing that's different from nowadays and back then. When... Men made a big mistake. They tried to make up with it with, and I know your grandpa, and I can say this, but I know your grandpa was like that. If he thought he did something wrong, he would buy your grandma a necklace or he would buy her a charm or he'd bring home flowers if he knew that he really botched something up. And I think that that... I guess it's more of the like, I didn't, I don't think I'd mind that as long as like the intention was behind it. 
if a guy thinks I can buy her something every time I mess up. No, no, no. I think that they knew that they were the husband and they weren't supposed to mess up. And so they felt like they needed to do something where nowadays I don't think that husbands think that's necessary. Fair enough. (laughs) This was the first animated film to be made in CinemaScope. The widescreen movie format was a brand new technology at the time, and though it was intended to help the viewer get a broad scope of landscapes and scenery, not everyone thought the format suited the movie so well, and it was met with mixed reviews upon initial release because of it. A New York Times critic reported the sentimentality is mighty and the use of the cinemascope size does not make for any less awareness of the thickness of the goo. It also magnifies the animation so that flaws and poor foreshortening are more plain. Unfortunately, and surprisingly, the artist's work is below par in this film. That's sad, considering Disney, how much work they put into movies yeah. because of, like, the lack of technology that we have today. The spaghetti scene almost didn't happen, and it's now one of the most famous and parodied scenes ever. But Walt was against that cozy pasta scene. Though he wanted the dogs to have human emotions, he just couldn't wrap his head around two dogs romantically sharing a strand of spaghetti. Thank you. I think it's so unrealistic. (laughs) If you've ever watched dogs fight over a plate of leftovers, you can imagine why. Disney eventually relented after animator Frank Thomas worked up a rough draft of how it might work. How did (laughs) this dude put together a PowerPoint presentation, if those existed then? Oh, they didn't. Being like, here is why the dogs should share spaghetti. That's so funny. They had storyboards. They didn't have... uh... It's just so funny to think somebody had to make a persuasive presentation. Of this is why the dogs need to eat spaghetti. The sequence of Lady and the Tramp sharing a plate of spaghetti climaxed by an accidental kiss as they swallow opposite ends of the same strand of spaghetti is considered an iconic scene in American film history. Over time, the film has become regarded as a true movie classic. That's why they have Tony's on Main Street in Disney World, on Magic Kingdom in Disney World, because they want you to come there and celebrate big things in their restaurant and maybe um, share spaghetti with your loved one. It's a big selling point. And there's lots of Lady and the Tramp pictures in that restaurant. Personally, I think that's gross. But (laughs) I'm not saying it's not. I'm just telling you that it's a selling point for some people. That's true. So our next animated feature that we're going to talk about is Sleeping Beauty, which was Kaylee's favorite when she was a small child. And I never understood why, because it was my... I don't remember it now, though. Like, as many times as I watched it, I have, like, no recollection. And it was my least favorite. And I never understood because it wasn't something that I, like, shoved down you. But for whatever reason, you liked Briar Rose. So Sleeping Beauty is French. And Little Briar Rose is in German, so it's also titled in English, The Sleeping Beauty in the Woods. It's a classic fairy tale about a princess who is cursed to sleep for a hundred years by an evil fairy, where she would be awakened by a handsome prince. So when the good fairy hears this, she knew that the princess would be frightened if she found herself alone when she wakes up. So the good fairy uses her wand to put every living person and animal in the palace to sleep until the princess awakes. Which, I guess, is nice. I don't know. (laughs) I just think that's kind of weird. If I woke up and there were a ton of animals around me, (laughs) I might think good is an arbitrary term. (laughs) The tale was first published in 1634. So again, this is a a long time coming by Bastille in his collection of tales titled, oh, you got to say this because it's in French and I don't want to mess it up. If you say it like with an American accent, it's the Pentamarone. But that sounds so... But it looks like Pentamarone. That's probably what it is. Basile's version was later adapted and published by Perrault in 1697, and the version that was later collected and printed by the Brothers Grimm was an orally transmitted version of this literary tale, and it was published by Perrault. The Disney film was not released until 1959, so look at that. It's almost, it's over 300 years later 
that this movie comes into Disney's hands or becomes... Yeah. Wow. Facts about this film. There are several story plots found in Basile's tale, which you won't find in the Disney version, probably because of similar uh, similar dark attributes to Cinderella. A king happens to walk by Sleeping Beauty's castle and knock on the door. When no one answers, he climbs up a ladder through a window, finds the princess, and calls to her. But as she is unconscious, she does not wake up. He carries her to the bed and rapes her. Then he just leaves. How relevant. <laughs> Holy smokes. No wonder they changed that. You can't I mean, children's so movie. many people are already frustrated about the kiss that happens to wake her up. Because, yes. like, that was unconsented like as well. Just me movement. Um, Which, I mean, like, he's not gross, I guess. They don't draw the prince to be right, gross. Right, right, right. But he's much older. I think that's another thing that people don't like today either. Sleeping Beauty awakens right after she gives birth because one of her twins sucks the flax from the spindle out of her finger. Neat. <laughs> That's gross. Oh, my Lanta. The king comes back, and despite him having raped her, they end up falling in love. However, another big problem, the king is still married to someone else. I'm so upset. This is so bad. And I'm sure divorce was not allowed, so let's see what happens. The king's wife finds out and not only tries to have Sleeping Beauty's twins killed, cooked and fed to the king but also tries to burn the princess at the stake luckily she is unsuccessful i mean (laughs) low-key she she's power move that's all i can say like what what a way to get back the king and the princess get married and live happily ever after despite the fact that he raped her i still can't get over it peral's adaptation of basile's updated adaptation of the story which is a much tamer version is probably what was used for the Disney adaptation as they are much more similar. I am not okay. (laughs) I am not okay with this at all. And I'm glad they changed it. But what sick mind thinks of dark stuff like this? And these stories were written, from my understanding, to be passed down. Because it was okay back then, which is not okay. I don't think it's okay to talk about that with small children. No, I don't either. I'm just saying the original was written in the 1600s. Like... Back then, this was normal, this and it was true. allowed. Look at Romeo and Juliet. Okay, go ahead. Sleeping Beauty flopped at the box office, and in fact, it was such a box office bomb, at least compared to the cost of the production, that the company decided that princess movies weren't exactly the wave of the future. They didn't make another princess movie until 30 years later, when The Little Mermaid was released in 1989, which is and interesting because butt. that saved Disney's butt. Yeah. And the next animated movie we are going to talk about is not necessarily one of my favorites, but I know I love the has songs in it. Has some bops. It has some good music. Yeah, I do love the music in it. Um, Aristocats. I just don't remember re- wanting to watch this movie over and over. You know how when you're a kid. Yeah. Now you had videos and stuff like that, and I'm going to really date myself, but we didn't have VHS until I was probably in older elementary school. And so they didn't have these to watch over and over. So I only got the chance to watch them if they were on television or they were at a movie theater. So the film was released in 1970 and the story revolves around a family of aristocratic, excuse me, aristocratic cats and how an alley cat acquaintance helps them after a butler has kidnapped them to gain his mistress's fortune, which was intended to go to them. The project began as an original script for a two part live action episode of Wonderful World of Color. And following two years of rewrites, Walt Disney just suggested that the project was more suitable for the animated film. And so he put the project in the turnaround. In other words, he shelved it for a while. And that was when he did The Jungle Book. And he put it in his forefront of his mind. And so when it was nearly complete, Disney appointed King An- uh, Ken Anderson. Wow, I'm going to what's going on today. To develop preliminary work on the Aristocat. 
Kenny Anderson spent 18 months developing the design of the characters. Five of Disney's legendary nine old men worked on it, including the Disney crew that had been working on average for 25 years. Wow. I wonder what they thought of this movie. That's what what I wish is that sometimes they had quotes from people and think like they thought not a good idea, but our boss is telling us to do it. I've never seen the original all the way through, at least. I've seen most of the musical uh, portions of it, just never the whole thing. I've seen the new one, the live action one, which I like a lot. They have a live action Aristocat? Oh, my fault. I was thinking about Jungle Book. I was like, what are we doing? No, no. But like, (laughs) still with Jungle Book. I feel like if they made Aristocats into a live action, which would probably be hard, I think it'd be more successful than Cats. And I don't, I don't know. It would revive that music, which is so jazz centered. Not that like jazz isn't known now, but it would be a really good mainstream way to like get kids into it would, jazz. Yeah, it would and so sure. I think if they would make that into a, in a live action, it would be cool. Well, now a new music teacher, you maybe can, you have a jazz unit in one, of, I'm sure in one of your grades. Yeah, and, we do. And you could tie in songs from Aristocats My and bring it back. My mentor actually played that. He lets the students watch it, the whole movie, after they do the unit. Oh, that's so awesome. that's cool. So Aristocats was the first Disney film to be produced after Walt Disney's death. And it was the last movie to be directly approved by Disney himself before he died in December of 1966, which is so sad. It is sad. It was the last movie to end with the line, a Walt Disney production, because he was the last, that was the last one where he He, had something to do with it. It was the last Disney animated feature Robert and Richard Sherman worked on as staff songwriters as they were growing frustrated by the management of the studio following Walt Disney's death, as I still am. Not salty. Though some critics thought the loss of Walt's direction hurt the movie, the New York Times raved about it, saying, Bless the Walt Disney organization for the Aristocats, as it's a funny, warm, and sweet animated cartoon, and it's the whole package. So the next uh, animated movie that we are going to talk about is The Little Mermaid. You know, the one we just told you saved Disney's hind end in the Renaissance period. This 1989 film is based on an 1837 fairy tale by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, which I did. Wow. I did know this one, and it's not as old as some of the other ones that we've been talking about today. So the story follows the journey of a young mermaid princess named Ariel, who dreams of becoming a human after she falls in love with a human prince named Eric. And Ariel's willing to give up her life in the sea as a mermaid to gain her human soul. The development of the film originally started in the late 1930s. So think about that. It did not come out till 1989. So Walt was far gone, but he started this way back in the late 1930s. That's crazy. And he w- it was planned as part of one of Walt Disney's earliest feature films. However, it was eventually shelved due to various circumstances. Which I would they suppose, I suppose one of them or one of the big factors would be because of Sleeping Beauty's failure is it was probably shelved and then they did Sleeping Beauty. And then it wasn't doing well. So they were like, well, this probably is not going to happen. Yeah, good call. They didn't want to have another flop on their hands. I get it. So fast forward to 1985, Ron Clements becomes interested in the film adaptation of The Little Mermaid while he was directing The Great Mouse Detective. So Clements discovered that Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale while browsing through a bookstore and believing that the story provided an ideal basis for an animated feature film, 
he kept on creating a film that took place under the water. And Clements wrote and presented a two-page proposal to then-Disney CEO Jeffrey Katzenberg, who approved the idea for a possible development the very next day. So while in production in the 1980s, the staff found, by chance, the original story and visual development work for Disney's proposed 1930s Anderson feature, which is interesting that they didn't even realize that it was already, like, proposed at some point in time. That is interesting, but they didn't have technology like we did where now Just to look it, it would be, yeah, it would be in the computer. Shelved somewhere. Many of the changes made by the staff in the 1930s to Hans Christian Andersen's original story were coincidentally the same as the changes made by Disney writers in the 1980s. Well, that's good to know they were keeping Disney's aura. This film was one of the first features to use Pixar's computer animation process. The usual way to make cartoons had always been by transferring animator drawings to celluloid and then painting the reverse side. This process yielded beautiful results, but it was very time-consuming. Pixar's program allowed animators to upload drawings onto a computer loaded with an infinite color palette and capable of impossibly subtle blending and transparency. Though computers were used in very few scenes in The Little Mermaid, Pixar continued to develop the process until computer animation became the standard for quality Disney releases. And wow, has it come far since that Yeah. Movie. I just can't believe like how much it's improving between movies in the same series. Like the Toy Story movies, especially because that spans over a long period of time. Um, what others? The Incredibles, because that was 14 years apart. Like even Frozen, which was only... From Frozen to Frozen Yeah, 2. which was only six years apart. It's insane when you watch the second one and then you're like, oh yeah, typical Disney animation. And then you go back. Well, the things that were, that where I notice it, I'm not saying that I don't notice it in the movies at all, but the Pixar shorts are the ones that I notice. Yeah. And there was a huge jump from, I can't remember which Pixar, Pixar short came out before Piper, but holy smokes, Piper, if you've listened to our show before, I apologize, but I cannot say enough about Piper. I think it's the water. The water does it. The water. The sand. I mean, the feathers. They look so real. And to think that's not a real bird. Yeah. It's kind of insane. It is insane. Disney's film is a complete 180 from the Hans Christian Andersen classic tale. Some parts align. She does see the prince from afar in his ship. She does rescue him from drowning. And she falls in love with him right then and there. He doesn't see her. She does visit the sea witch who takes her tongue in exchange for legs. Oh my gosh. And she does do this because the Little Mermaid has an amazing voice. I don't think it's explained in the Disney version her tongue is No, gone. they did not say that her tongue um, was gone. They don't even say it in the little play. The deal is the same. The mermaid can only remain human if she finds true love's kiss and the prince falls in love with and marries her. But some parts are vastly different. The penalty in the movie is only that Ariel will turn back into a mermaid if she fails. In the story, she will die if she fails. I think that's nice. a little more dramatic. So, I was going to say, but still not a Disney, not something you want in a Disney movie where children are going to be watching. It. While the prince remains a main motivator, the mermaid in the story is also motivated because humans have eternal souls and mermaids don't. The Disney movie leaves out that the penalty the mermaid pays for having legs is that every single step she takes will feel like she is walking on sharp shards of glass. I'm sorry, but no man is worth that. Like, ever. <laughs> Some people may disagree, but I know. Oh, your grandma would, your great grandma would be so proud. I know. Look at me now. At first, it seems like the plan is working, but then the prince ends up marrying another, a woman he thinks is the person who saved him. The mermaid can't exactly tell him the truth since she can't talk. She is told that if she kills the prince, then she can simply turn back into a mermaid and doesn't have to die. She just can't do it, though. 
She throws herself into the sea and turns into sea foam, though it should be mentioned that she be then becomes a daughter of the air, entering a kind of purgatory where she has to do good deeds until she maybe earns a soul, which will take about 300 years to happen. That was a lot. And that is not a happy ending. Honestly, more than that, it's just confusing. It's honestly just like, just hearing it, I'm like, what? And, and listeners, I want to tell you that I apologize right now because uh, apparently my nephew decided this is a good time to come and mow my grass because they have a lawn service and they're now mowing my grass. So if you can hear that, I apologize because it is very loud. Very realistic for you. We're, we're the whole Disney vibe. We're here to provide home entertainment. <laughs> oh, it's entertaining to watch, but they can't see that. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed this. Uh, second part and there actually I think is going to be a third part there's so much out there and I know for a fact that Nick loves us doing this dark stuff because as he's told you many times he loves to find the dark and dirty of Disney because he knows there's backstories now it doesn't necessarily have to do with Disney it's how Disney took a kind of a dark sometimes disgusting story and made it into something the children could love and fall and fall in love with and maybe ask aspire to who knows so if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment all you have to do is email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or if you'd like to book a trip or you just want a free quote all you have to do is text me at 636-373-4497 or you can contact us at vicky v-i-c-k-i-e dot black at yourstorytravel.com you can check us out on our social media accounts yourstorytravel.com our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish out the latest rumors and news and chat with the Your Story Travel Gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Kaylee, I think we filled ourselves full of enough uh, negativity and positivity, however you want to look at it in this little episode. I think it's about time to wrap it up. Disney love and pixie dust. Have a magical day, my friends. <laughs>